Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Woods. On this, our premiere episode, we will be discussing a story that has existed within the realm of the imaginary, although some believe there is more fact to this fictional story than first meets the eye. I am, of course, talking about the famous online story, Anansi's Goatman Story. Originally saved from a 4chan post on Friday, September 28th, 2012, it has been edited slightly to improve grammar. However, the beginning of it is still written very much like a 4chan piece. Now be warned, this story is not for young children, both because of the language used during it and the subject matter within it. However, if you wish to move further, let us dive into Anansi's Goatman story. Here's my story. Be 16, be black, and have family down in Alabama. They farm and own a huge amount of land down in Huntsville. Uncle owns a big house and a bunch of trailers they put out in the woods for hunting or camping. Down south, cousins suggest that we go out there to camp. No, I'm a city kid from Chicago, so they tease the fuck out of me. Collect food, kill a pig and some chickens, and bring necessities to camp out for a few days. We get to the camp, and it's obvious something is weird. Air has this weird electric smell like something right before a storm, like ozone. We think nothing of it and unpack and go down to the little creek to swim for a few hours. All of a sudden, some older white guy and a white teenager come out of the bushes. He has a shotgun in the crook of his arm and says hello and asks us what we're doing this far back in the woods. I tell him about my uncle, who he knows, and say we're out camping. He tells us we need to be real careful out here and stick together. There was a big animal in the woods. His son, who is my age, asks if he can stay and hang out with us. He says this is fine. The format will change from here on out, for this is when the author decided to change the format from a typical 4chan post into standard storytelling format. The rest of the story is as follows. So we end up playing football. Dicking around with me, there's the white kid Tanner, five of my cousins, and then four of their friends. In total, there were five girls and six boys. We were all around 15 to 17. We end up just dicking the day away, so we head back to the camp and start pulling out stuff for a campfire, even though the trailers both had kitchenettes. Tanner says that his family's property sits up against my uncle's. He wants to run home and ask his dad if he can come out camping with us. My cousin Rooster says he's going to go with him since it's going to get dark soon. One of the girls also wants to tag along. It's about 7 o'clock, and it's starting to get pretty dark. They take flashlights and take the trail toward Tan's property. The rest of us chill. We make s'mores, drink, and kiss on the girls. About 30 or 40 minutes later, there's the smell of ozone again. You could smell it over the smell of the fire we had started. This really nasty, coppery smell, like right after you've had a nosebleed and it stopped. It wasn't exactly like dried blood, but... It was that nasty, metallic, back-of-your-throat smell. We immediately think it's some kind of electrical malfunction, or someone left a hot plate on or some shit. We search the trailers, and nothing is on. And we can all smell it. All of a sudden, we can hear people booking down the path toward us. It's Rooster, Tan, 
and the girl all come running into the clearing, out of breath, and they don't even break stride. They all run into the trailer, right by where the fire is. We all get the fuck out of there and into the trailers. They end up calming down. Even Rooster is crying his fucking eyes out at this point. All the while, the fire is guttering lower and lower. So my other cousin says fuck it, and are all about to go outside to get the generator out of the shed between the trailers. Tanner goes, fuck no, lock the door, ain't nobody going outside. He's been crying too, and his eyes are bloodshot and puffy, and his pants are dirty as shit. He goes on to tell us that they went up to his house. His father said, sure, he could go out camping, but to make sure they were careful on the way back, that maybe they should take one of the hunting rifles, just in case. Evidently, Tanner had seen something in their yard a few days before. One of their pigs had come up, ripped up and half-eaten. They assumed it was just some big cats or coyotes, even though they don't usually fuck with live animals. He had gone upstairs and packed his stuff, and told his dad they would be okay without the rifle because coyotes avoid people. So they started walking back toward where they were camping. So Rooster finally stops crying and shaking. The girl already had, but she was just staring out the window with a dumb look on her face. He says they had gotten halfway into the woods toward the camp when they started to hear shit in the woods. It was almost pitch black by this time, so they weren't sure at first what the fuck it was. The girl says that she heard something in the bushes, right off the trail, and they all beamed their flashlights over there. There was something standing back in the woods, in a little hollow. Rooster said they shouted at him, and told him that he was scaring the fuck out of them, and what a dick he was. He says that's when he realized that the guy was facing away from them. So, they kept walking and they start smelling the nasty, coppery ozone smell. They say that they look off into the forest on the opposite side, and it's a dude standing in the forest, backwards slightly closer to the path. So now they start power walking, and Tan keeps going, I should have taken the fucking rifle. As they're telling the story, the smell is still super strong, even inside the cabin. They say that after they started walking faster, a kind of low gibbering started coming from both sides of the wood. And as they start booking it back to the trailer, the girl said that she flashed her flashlight out into the woods to the side of them, and had seen something jerking itself in the woods. The gibbering just got louder and louder, and when they could see the light of our campfire, something had come out of the woods, about 40 yards behind them onto the track, and they had just flat out ran as hard as they could to the trailer. So we're out in the fucking woods, and we're assuming at this point it's some rednecks or some shit trying to fuck with us. All of a sudden, my other cousin, Junior, starts going on about how he went to school with a native kid that was telling him about the Goat Man or some shit. We promptly tell him to shut the fuck up because we don't need any spooky talk right now. But he just keeps going on and on about how it's the fucking Goat Man and how we're in his woods and blah blah blah. Now at this time, I had never heard of this Goat Man or any of that. But then a couple years ago, the year before I graduated from college, I had a minimum for a roommate, and ended up asking him about it. And to sum it up, it's basically a fucking man with the head of a goat, and he can shapeshift, and he gets among groups of people to terrorize them. It's also supposed to be kind of like the Wendigo, and it's bad mojo to even talk about it, and even worse if you see it. Keep in mind, I didn't know this back when I was 16, so my cousin is going, the goat man's going to get in and fucking get us. The girls are all terrified, and my cousins and I are all fucking trying to figure out if it's just some hillbillies or if it's some animal. So all of a sudden, the smell goes away. Like, to this day, I haven't 
even experienced anything like it. Like usually smells fade away or lessen. It just literally was there one second, and then not the next. So it's after an hour, making it around nine or ten. We've stopped shitting bricks enough to go back outside and stoke the fire again. We figured it was just some assholes trying to fuck with us, so we don't go back home. Because we think if we do, they'll chase us through the woods or some crazy shit. Nothing else weird happens that night, and we stay another night. For the main part of the night, nothing happens. At about one in the morning, we're outside getting drunk and telling ghost stories. As someone is finishing some too spooky story, I don't remember what about, the smell comes back. It's so fucking strong. And one of the girls literally starts vomiting. I stand up and can actually feel how clammy the air is. I say we should get inside and that this isn't right. We should have just fucking left. We all go back inside and we're standing around. My cousin just keeps going on about how it's the goat man. And my cousin Rooster tries to shut him the fuck up. And all the while, I'm just feeling that something is wrong. And I can't figure out what the fuck it is. We end up sitting in there for a while. The smell's just as strong. And we're terrified and all huddled in this camper. We end up cooking brats for everybody because no one wants to go outside. It's one of those packs of four brats. We have a total of three packs. I grill them over the stove and give everyone a hot dog. I get mine. After a while, one of my cousin gets up and goes over to the pot to get another one. He starts grumbling about how I get two brats and everyone else only got one. I look at him like he's fucking stupid. I tell him that everyone only got one because there were only 12 brats. If he wants more, he should open up a new pack and cook some more. That's when the girl that had been with Rooster and Tan just starts screaming, Oh Jesus! Oh Lord! Get it out! She starts crying and shivering, and then it dawns on the cousin standing up. What the fuck is wrong? Me and him both glance around the room. Then I feel my heart fucking sink. I run the fuck out of the cabin, and the girl runs out with us. The trailer door is banging against the side of the trailer as everyone books it out of the cabin. One of my cousin's friends asks us what the fuck was wrong. I start counting us. There's only twelve now. I shit you not, my cousin verified. There had been twelve people in the cabin. But being that everyone didn't really know each other well, nobody had really noticed the whole fucking time that there was an extra person. And then I realized earlier that I had kind of noticed something was off. You know how when you're just digging around and having a good time that you don't sweat the smallest shit and you don't always keep track of certain stuff? I'm dead sure that someone else had been in the trailer with us and that they had been there for at least a fucking day, eating with us. What makes it worse? I couldn't figure out which one, because I don't think anyone ever actually interacted with the other person, slash the goat man. The girl kept praying to Jesus, and we're all sitting outside. Eventually, we get big-ass sticks and go back in the cabin, but there's nobody in there. We count again, and there's only 11 people. We go back into the trailer and lock the door. We explain what the fuck happened, and the girl says that she realized it too, and that, when he was about to say something, the person sitting next to her had grabbed her leg and leaned over toward her and said something she couldn't understand. So we were pretty much scared as fuck as we huddled there, and I fall asleep. When I wake up, the sun is just coming up, and half the people are asleep and the other half are packing our shit up. We all want to walk back home, but like four people want to stay until the sun is all the way up. And some people think that we're just fucking around and still want to stay in the trailers. I just want to get the fuck out of the woods. The girl's name was Kira, the one that the goat man had touched. Anyway, I ask her if she really thinks it was something bad. 
She says that she just wants to go home, and she doesn't want to be out in the woods alone for another night. So we decide to split up. The four that want to go can go, but I have to stay, because I have the keys to the cabin, and it's my uncle's, and I have to lock up. I'm super pissed at this point, because I feel like people aren't taking this shit seriously, and I definitely didn't want to be out in the woods for another night. I spend the rest of the day trying to convince the rest of the people, now four girls and four guys, to get the fuck out of Dodge. Tanner leaves with them to go get a rifle, and says he's going to be back, so there are just seven of us left by 4pm. At around 5pm, he hasn't made it back yet, and we're getting extremely fucking antsy, and the only reason I stopped begging them to go back was because he went to get a gun. It's about 5.30pm or so when the one cousin that did stay says that the girl, Kira, is outside. We all look outside, and sure enough, she's standing by the fire pit with her back to the cabin. I'm thinking to myself, if she was so fucking scared, why the hell would she come back? And then I get this nasty feeling in my gut. Keep in mind, the whole time the coppery smell has been gone. Now I realize, I can smell just a twinge of it. I say this to the rest of them, and everybody, and these are the people that wanted to stay in the fucking woods after we had the goddamn goat man in our midst, is laughing at me, and asking if I set this up to scare them. I'm looking at them like I'm not fucking bullshitting you at all right now. I ask them why the fuck would I play like that. So one of the girls goes outside to get Kira. She gets halfway to her and stops cold. Kira starts heaving. I don't know how the fuck to describe it. Sort of like if someone with their back turned was laughing without actually making a sound. It was this fact that made me realize there was not a fucking sound in the whole woods. It was dead. Silent. This was, like, later in September, so it was still fairly hot at the time, but it was super chilly some days too, and you could usually hear big-ass geese honking or some kind of birds or squirrels chitter-chattering. So I step out of the door and tell her to come back to the fucking trailer right goddamn now. She backs up to the trailer and we lock the fucking door. We pull down all the shades except one, and put a guy in a chair to watch her. She stands there for another 20 minutes or so. The guy turns to say that she's still there, and there's a huge fucking bang on the door. We all jump the fuck up and scramble around the living room of the trailer. The banging is super fucking loud. So now my cousin is holding one of the girls, and the other two are kind of giggling with nervous laughter, and me and the other two guys are shitting bricks. Then we hear Tan. He's screaming. Let me the fuck in! Stop fucking playing! So we go over to the door and open it, and he stumbles in with a rifle. There's nobody else outside. Evidently, he had walked up to the campsite. Nothing weird happened in the forest, but he had seen a girl. Mind you, he said it was not Kira standing there. When he had gotten to the edge of the clearing, she had turned toward him with the slack-jawed look and just stared at him, slowly tracking him as he walked around the outside of the clearing towards the camp. He said it wasn't until he was almost halfway to the trailer he had realized that she was getting closer to him. She had started off by the fire, and without him even seeing her move, she had been turning, inching closer. He said he just ran the rest of the way back to the cabin thinking it would be open, and when he got to the door and it was locked, he turned and it was about half the distance to the door. He looks around the room and then gets super pale. He pulls me to the side and whispers in my ear, you know there are only seven of us in here, right? I get that feeling where your stomach drops to your nuts. It had been back inside the trailer while we were sorting out who was going where, 
And then, when we all went outside to talk earlier in the day, it had just slipped right back in. We looked out the window, and there was nobody there. So we recount everyone. And then basically, I go over and ask everyone how many people were here earlier. And everybody says eight. I say, well, how many are here now? They all do a count, and they realize there's only seven people in the cabin. So, Tan had brought back a couple boxes of ammo and his rifle. Andy had told his dad that there was some kind of animal in the forest because he didn't think his dad would believe him if he said it was Goatman. He says that his cousin is supposed to be coming down in a few hours, and that in the morning we can all go back to his place and his cousin will drive us home. Now, I'm really fucking terrified, but at least feel better because we can be American and shoot the fuck out of whatever it is that comes back. But then my cousin gets into this huge argument with one of the girls because she thinks that I'm trying to be funny and prank them, and that she's getting really scared, and that I'm not funny. He keeps telling her that I'm not that kind of person, and she says, well how do we know the girl wasn't just Tanner in a wig, or if it's really the Goatman, how do we know that this is the real Tanner, and that Goatman didn't just kill Tanner in the woods and take his gun? So we fucking get into a huge argument about it, where me and Tan are like, we could seriously be in danger because at the very least, someone has been sneaking themselves into our fucking trailer without us noticing and mingling with us. And at worst, something bad is in the fucking forest with us. One of the girls is crying and saying she wants to go right now, and we're trying to tell her that we shouldn't because none of us are walking through the woods in the middle of the night. At this point, the sun is starting to go down, and it's getting a little cloudy out. We eat something and turn on the radio for a while but we can't really get a station out there with anything decent. So we turn it off about the time that Tan's cousin shows up. He was like 19, I think. At this point, the sun is just barely over the horizon, and he has one of those heavy-duty lantern flashlights and another rifle. He walks up to the trailer, and we whisper to Tan, asking if he's sure that's his cousin, and he says yes. The guy looks behind him and all around the camp, then walks in. He kind of glances at all of us and looks a little confused. He says, where's your other little buddy at? I figured she would meet me up at the cabin. Is she a little slow or something? He also asked whether we had been cooking blood in the cabin, because it smelled like blood and hot pans all the way up the trail. We are all like, fucking nope. But we ask him what the fuck he's talking about with the girl he saw. He had come down the same trail Tan had been using, and he had come up on one of you guys' buddies, standing in the middle of the trailer, looking at him slack-jawed. He had asked her a bunch of questions, but all she did was look at him. Then she smiled at him, and he said that she just kept walking. She couldn't seem to keep up with him, and kept lagging a little behind. He said he asked her if she was hurt or something, and if she needed any help. But she had continued to stare. Eventually, he had been walking and turned around to bend in the trail. But when he turned around and went back to see if she was okay, the trail was empty. He'd assumed she had taken some shortcut through the woods to our trailer. We tell him the whole story of what's been going on. I half expected him to say we were full of shit, but he just listened and sat down on the couches in the living room. Tanner's cousin gets back to the girl. He says when she kept trying to lag behind him, it had kinda weirded him the fuck out. So he tried to keep her in front of him, but no matter how slow he walked, she was always lagging a little behind. And that he smelled this nasty smell, and it got stronger as he got to the camp. Eventually it got really strong. She had said something really low that he didn't catch, and when he had turned around, she had been right the fuck up on him, and he stepped back from her. It was at this point he asked her if she was okay, and if she wasn't, him to carry her back the rest of the way, and she just kept staring. 
He said he reached out for her, and as he grabbed her on the shoulder, but he must have just misjudged the distance because she was off to the side where he had put his hand instead, like she had just moved while he was looking dead at her. So at this point, we know this shit's real, unless Tan is playing a joke, which we can tell he's not because he's almost pissing his pants. So they load up their rifles, we eat some more, and we just kind of sit around until about 11. To this fucking day, every time I think about this, I really pray to God that some huge prank that my cousins played on me, and just never revealed so I would shit for the rest of my life. At around 11, the stink of copper turns into an actual nasty, gross, blood-like smell, like cooking blood and singed hair. Tan and his cousin Reese get the fuck up instantly and grab the rifles. It was like a half-knocking, half-clawing at the door. And I shit you not, there's this voice, and it sounds like when you see those YouTube cats and dogs whose owners teach them to talk. It says in this halting, weirdly toned voice, Let me the fuck in. Stop fucking playing. It made my fucking nuts creep up against my body, and one of the girls just starts crying and calling on Jesus. It was so fucking obviously not a person talking. It didn't have the right cadence. That's some shit that I never realized until that moment. But all people have a certain cadence when they talk, no matter what language. All people have a certain kind of rhythm to talking. This shit didn't have any kind of cadence or rhythm. One of those YouTube cats, that's what the fuck it sounded like outside the door. So now I'm in full terror mode. We keep yelling outside. Who is it? Stop fucking around, man. I just keep saying. In. Or... Let me the fuck in. For about 15 minutes. It sounded like this, almost. Just not funny. Sorry for being on a tangent, but if you can't imagine how this shit sounded, then you can't imagine how fucked up the whole situation was. So then the smell goes away for a while, and for the next hour or so, you can hear someone basically creeping around in the woods and shit. Every couple minutes, it'll come back to the door and say something. Finally, when the smell fades away, it's around two in the morning right now. Reese says, Man, fuck this! and opens the door and walks outside with his rifle. He fires a shot into the air and says something to the effect of, In the name of Jesus Christ, go away! He fires two more times, and then from the woods, right up against the river across the trailer, it sounds like something is slowly gibbering and hooting. Then it starts screaming, and it sounds almost like a woman and a cat in a bag screaming together. Like I seriously have never heard any shit like that. And you can hear the brush over that way start to shake. Reese fires over into the tree line, and then starts backing into the house. We lock the door, and we can hear this shit keening and screaming. Reese says something had come out of the bushes, super low to the ground and crawling toward the cabin, and he had shot at it. Pretty much that was how the rest of the night went. It was literally screaming constantly for the next two hours. And we could hear shit moving into the tree line. But it never came back up to the cabin until everyone had finally fallen asleep. Tan had been sitting in the chair watching the door with his rifle. Nobody else heard or saw this, and he told me two days later after the whole thing was over. He said he had been nodding off after the screaming and noises finally stopped, and he had been almost asleep when he saw someone come out of the bathroom and lay down in the middle of the floor to go to sleep. He just assumed it was one of us and he had nodded off. 
Then he said he kind of realized something was wrong, and while pretending to be sleeping, he counted us. There were nine people in the cabin. He basically didn't want to try to shoot at the fucking thing in the cabin and have it kill us all then and there, or have Reese wake up and start shooting, and then we all kill ourselves. So he just stayed awake all night, pretending to be asleep. He said sometimes it would stand up and kind of do this weird jittery thing, or heave like it was laughing, but then it would lay back down. The story closes pretty weak, because from my perspective, nothing happened. We woke up, and I noticed that Tan was a little jittery, and that he was avoiding looking at all of us. But we ate some breakfast, packed up, and started walking to his house. He stayed last in the cabin and said he'd lock up and bring me my uncle's keys to just start walking and he'd catch up, which I didn't really want to fucking do. We got a little bit up the path, and when he came running up, basically we just jogged back to his house. His cousin took us home. There was a window in the bathroom. Tan had gone back to lock up and looked in there. We were too stupid to lock a screenless window. The window was fucking up when he went in there. I'm guessing it had been doing that all along, waiting for us to fall asleep or slip up, and then getting in amongst us. It walked with us all the goddamn way back to the house. Then he said it lagged to the back of the group and looked him dead in the eyes before walking into the woods. So, here are my thoughts on the Goatman story as a whole. I think it's a very well-written story. It's very well-rounded. It does have a sense of fear pretty much throughout the entire thing. I think it's really well-written and seems very much like something that could have happened. Like, one of the problems that I have with a lot of the scary stories and whatnot that I read online and in various books and whatnot is, especially the short stories... They feel almost too contrived, like they're not something that actually could happen. They don't feel like they're very based in reality. This one does, and I and I feel like the reason it does is because it's very relatable. Going out, camping with your friends, having something creepy happen at night, that's very relatable. Obviously, the story takes it to a little bit more of an extreme, but, I mean, it's a story. It's meant to do that. I also think this story is a very good example of the rule that I have always put forward in short stories, and that is that I do not believe you need death within a short story in order to make it scary. I think you can make it scary without anybody dying, which this story definitely does, and it it goes out of its way to make sure that nobody in the story actually does die, which I think is a very, very wise uh, decision on part of the storyteller. Now then there's the question of exactly how true is the story of the Goatman. My first reaction when I read this was that obviously the Goatman has no basis in reality. It's completely made up. However, there are actually lots of urban myths and legends throughout the United States that follow the story of the Goatman. There is Goatman legends in Kentucky, Maryland, Texas, Wisconsin, and even places as far as London, England. Now how true are these tales? They are urban myths and legends, so who is to really tell? But that does lead you to believe that, at the very least, this story has the capabilities of being somewhat true, or at least have somewhat of a basis in reality. And as with any good, scary story, that, of course, in my opinion, is one of the strongest things you have. Being able to connect your audience with something that's very tangible, very real, in a situation that's very not real, can can be tough. But I feel like the author here did it quite well. 
And with that, we end our first episode of Tales from the Woods. Thank you so much for joining. There will be many more episodes to come in the future, so please stay tuned for those. A few people I'd like to thank. I'd like to thank Looperman.com for some of the music and sound effects that I used during the telling of the story. And on Looperman specifically, I would like to thank Nightingale, GM Beats 82, DJ Falafel, Donke, and Creepypasta SFX for the uses of their various sound effects and music. I very much appreciate it, and it definitely helped with this episode. I'd also like to thank SoundBible.com as well. Once again, thank you very much for joining me on today's first premiere episode of Tales from the Woods, and I hope that you will stop by next time to hear another terrifying tale.